All right, back on this St. Patty's Day, this Thursday, and not only St. Patrick's Day, it's also opening day of March Madness, the NCAA tournament, which means this time tomorrow, many people will be complaining, ah, my bracket, it's already busted. There goes my bracket. And there's good reason for that, because the odds are against you. I mean, really against you. Do you know what the odds are of having a perfect bracket? perfectly predicting every single game of March Madness. Somebody broke this down, and it's a one in, how about this, nine quintillion chance of having a perfect bracket. I know. I didn't even know that that number existed. Quintillion. Never mind nine of them. And that's why nobody has ever done it. Nobody's ever had a perfect March Madness bracket. But that's not the only number people are watching when it comes to March Madness, because, of course, the NCAA tournament It's big business for everybody but the athletes. But that is changing. Marvin Ryder is a professor of marketing at the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University in Hamilton and joins us now for more on this. Marvin, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, First of all, do we have kind of a handle on just uh, what the NCAA tournament, what March Madness is worth to the overall economy? You know, a little hard to answer that question because it, again, it depends upon the mix of teams, but uh, directly the NCAA makes $850 million from the tournament when you apply what we call multiplier effects. So as they spend that money, that allows things, and they spend some more money, that allows things. We're talking more on the order of, you know, uh, three, three and a half, four billion dollars worth of economic activity of thanks to hotels and travel and all that sort of stuff. And it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, you're right. It seems like uh, the schools are making money. The TV networks, of course, are making money. This is a big uh, ratings draw each and every year, one of the biggest days on the sporting calendar. And up until recently, Marvin, it's pretty much like everybody's been making money except for what we all come to watch, which is the athletes, the players. Right. So the NCAA, uh, yes, they make a lot of money. Now they pile much of that back to the university. So out of that $850 million they collect directly, roughly two-thirds of it goes back to the various universities and, and sports programs that they have there. But to your point, the NCAA had always been keen that this be amateur athletics, that the, the stars not be paid for playing the sport. Now, last year, last year, this would have been in June of 2021, the Supreme Court ruled that, uh, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, if what you mean by this is being paid to play, yes, okay, we can agree with that. But if, for instance, a university wanted to provide an athlete, let's say a car or a computer or a a good uh, uh, internship somewhere or even some international travel, look, that's the university's choice. They should be allowed to participate in that. And at the same time, there was a lawsuit filed on behalf of an athlete who had charged antitrust against the NCAA for things like using your name, your image, or your likeness. That didn't actually get to the Supreme Court, but since they lost the first one on on, uh, uh, having the students get more from the universities, they decided to change the rules. And now athletes can cash in on their name, their image, and their likeness. And the question is going to be just how big is that going to grow? Right, because for the first time in history, in the history of March Madness, players can now sign endorsement deals, which will theoretically allow them to capitalize off of their popularity. But yes, that is the big question, isn't it, Marvin, going forward is just how much can these athletes, how much can they capitalize on their popularity? Because this is a pretty small window. I mean, it's a two-week tournament. 
Right. So let me come at this a couple of ways, if you don't mind. One is I often get asked the question, what is a gold medal worth at the Olympics? And it really depends upon the backstory of the athlete. And the same is true here. So an NCAA athlete, in this case, a, a male basketball player, can cash in on their image. But does anyone want that image? And so if you have a backstory, maybe you have a single parent and you've struggled against the odds or, or you've done something fabulous, or today, what we call an influencer network, you have a TikTok account that you get 3 million followers on TikTok. Well, yes, you'll be able to make some money from endorsements. However, the half million NCAA athletes, and this is across all sports, not just basketball, most of them don't have that kind of a clout. In fact, so far, now remember this data is less than a year old, most athletes are only making a couple of thousand dollars from their endorsements. Most of the endorsements are local or very small time, but there are a few that are making millions and millions of dollars because they've got that kind of following in social media. Yeah. How might this change, do you think, uh, not only the sport of basketball, but the sport sports in general, I guess, uh, Marvin, because uh, your point is one that is uh, well-made and well-founded that, again, if you're now able to make money through endorsements and your quote-unquote uh, popularity, I think you're going to see a lot more college athletes in the NCAA in this case, and maybe in other sports, continue to try to raise their profile on social media in other ways in order to really uh, capitalize. Yeah, you'd be absolutely right on that. Now, I mentioned the backstory, but it also depends upon the sport. For instance, if we look at all the deals that have been signed, only about 1% of the money going to endorsements are for swimmers, either male or female swimmers. For whatever reason, those people looking for celebrities, if you will, aren't interested in swimmers. There's only two sports that have really captured the imagination, male and female basketball and football. So you have to have a combination of a compelling story. You have to have presence, but you also have to be a sport that somehow people resonate with. Volleyball players, it doesn't resonate. NCAA golf doesn't really resonate that much at this point. It's those other sports. Now, having said that to you, because this is so new, this is less than a year old, we really don't know how high this can grow. If we look at just other kinds of influencers out there, say in the world of fashion or entertainment, we could certainly be talking about athletes making millions of dollars from their name, image, and likeness. We also have a challenge that some of the things that they might like to endorse could violate their university policies. Here might be an example. Uh, you're a say a football player and you'd like to endorse a local beer, whoops, wait a minute, you know, the university might say, I, I'm not fond of that. And we may see a kind of contract have to be created that would say you can endorse these kinds of things, not these kinds of things, or even worse, what if the NCAA gets an Under Armour contract to, to support those things and you want, uh, Nike wants to give you an endorsement deal right. and that athlete endorse Nike products if the league is endorsing Under Armour. This is part of this brave new world that we've entered into. And again, the lawyers are going to have a field day here. All right. Just finally, as March Madness is once again upon us, is there a feeling that this is really going to truly change a lot of these college athletes' lives, the ability now to market themselves and to take on endorsements? Or is the jury still kind of out? Well, I don't think the jury is out, but the question is speed. So for this tournament this time around, there probably will be a couple of heroes emerge. And yes, they may be able to do very well. Oddly enough, the best people so far making endorsements aren't necessarily very good athletes. They just have put together a compelling story. So really, the question is going to be over the next decade. I think you are going to see 
some NCAA athletes who pull down a million plus dollars in endorsement contracts. Just don't think you're going to see it this year. All right, Marvin, appreciate the time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much. Glad to be with you. All right, Marvin Ryder is a professor of marketing at the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University. And we're back after this break. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.